Welcome to We Went Fast. This story is part personal essay, part analysis of my favorite race, the 87 Supercross finale in Los Angeles. 21 of the best riders in the world, the world of Supercross. There's number one, Johnson coming up on the line. Next hit, number seven, Holland. 15, Guy Cooper looking down the line. And here's a start. There's more, number three. Here comes Cooper, there goes Johnson, and Johnson is forced out. Remember? The one that Guy Cooper was so, so, so close to winning. The one where Ricky Johnson pulled off the greatest comeback ever? If anything, you'll love it for hearing Larry Huffman's voice again. Help us continue to tell these stories. Visit shop.wewentfast.com. We Went Fast merchandise makes for easy gift giving. Shop.wewentfast.com. Tell a friend and leave a podcast rating. And now... Come back in the Coliseum, the 1987 Los Angeles Supercross. Why the final running of the Super Bowl of motocross was the greatest race in the sport's history. The Los Angeles Coliseum Super Bowl of motocross, the granddaddy of them all, and the largest and most prestigious Supercross in the world. There is no longer or tougher track anywhere. Rick Johnson goes from almost last to first. Wildman Guy Cooper almost wins. A unique but one-line track with a short start straight and a first turn the size of a phone booth causes absolute carnage. Shots fired on the podium from Ron Lachine. And RJ is caught on a hot mic saying, you'd have to be a stupid idiot to follow these lines if someone faster than you was behind you. And Larry Huffman calling all the action. These and more are the reasons why I believe the 1987 Los Angeles Coliseum Supercross, the last time the Super Bowl of Motocross event title was used, is the greatest Supercross of all time. June 27th, 1987. Rick Johnson's helmet is stolen. Ricky Johnson couldn't find his helmet. Searching around and behind the marble columns of the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum and under his fold-up lawn chair, RJ came up empty-handed when he moved to strap on his Bell Moto 4. The rivals around him were headed down to the stadium floor, where the main event of the final round of the 1987 Supercross Championship was minutes from gate drop. Johnson had a look of F my life on his face, but he didn't look panicked mostly annoyed and in disbelief. It had already been a frustrating day of dealing with a one-line track, Ron Lachine chopping off his front wheel in the first turn of the heat race, and the many obligations that came from being the most popular rider in moto and racing in LA, the birthplace of Supercross. On this particular day, Johnson even had a documentary camera crew following him. His mechanic, Brian Lunas, told him to take the bike down to the line. They had ninth pick on what had already proven to be a problematic starting gate, straight and turn. Missing his spot in the slotting order would make it even worse. Lunas ran back to the Honda box van to get the spare helmet. Riders didn't operate out of their individual trucks in LA. The paddock was simply all the riders hanging out in the open mezzanine area within the marble columns of the peristyle section of the Coliseum. In a text message to We Went Fast, 
Johnson said he occasionally gets hints about the helmet's whereabouts. I've had a couple of people tell me that they had it and caught a guy in the desert with it, but I never got it back, he says. Johnson rolled his Honda CR250 down the dirt-covered stairwell onto the floor of the Coliseum. A weirdo diversion into Supercross schedule history. The championship was moot, but bragging rights were very important to RJ. Coming into the 14th and final round of 1987, Johnson had six Supercross wins to Jeff Ward's five. Above all else, he did not want to let Ward even the score and win the title. Ending the season with a 7-5 record against his biggest rival set a nice tone for 1988. Ward came into the race with a 39-point lead on Johnson, but he had not officially been crowned the champion. Just a few weeks earlier, L.A. was not the final round on the schedule. To get really weedy into Supercross history, the original 1987 schedule had 17 rounds, including a stop in Boulder, Colorado, and Minneapolis. Neither of those happened. Dates for Sacramento, California, September 19th, and Foxborough, Massachusetts, June 13th, were added after the season began. The Los Angeles Coliseum held its originally scheduled date of July 25th. Throughout the spring, the dates of those three events shifted several times. L.A. moved to June, Foxborough to July. In early June, Foxborough fell off the calendar completely, and Sacramento moved to July 25, which pulled up the L.A. race to June 27. In the end, neither Sacramento or Foxborough happened at all. Sacramento's race at the Cal Expo was canceled at some point between the June 7 Supercross at the Meadowlands and the L.A. Coliseum on June 27. After the season, Ward fumed to Dirt Bike Magazine about the handling of the cancellations. I rode hard with a severely injured ankle at the previous Supercross in the Meadowlands, when in reality, all I needed was a 15th place finish to wrap up the series. It wasn't handled very professionally. So Johnson's chance of fully defending his number plate was prematurely snatched away. I was a big RJ fan in 1987. I did a book report on his movie, Profile of a Champion. So learning about all this 36 years later, I'm angry for 8-year-old me who wanted to see Johnson keep the number one plate. The season ended with Ward 34 points ahead of Johnson. Both riders raced with injuries all season, but Johnson missed two rounds completely and crashed out of the opener in 1987. He no doubt had some extra motivation for wanting to make statements in L.A. Ricky Johnson, Profile of a Champion Johnson's frustrations early in the day were preserved for eternity when he dropped into the first practice session wearing a lavalier microphone taped to the inside of his helmet's mouthpiece. A transmitter duct-taped to his lower back sent the audio signal back to a recorder. Come out. Be smooth on my braking. Smooth on accelerating. Get Vaughn. Get him. Well, that was easy. 
John Bradley Entertainment had a crew in L.A. shooting for what became the documentary Rick Johnson, Profile of a Champion. An outgoing personality, Johnson was the perfect rider to mic up while riding. With an arsenal of nicknames, RJ, Bad Boy, Too Hip, he was like the Apollo Creed of Moto. He casually narrated what he was doing on the track, but pulled no punches in saying what he thought about the riders he passed during the session. Watch Ryan, he's kind of squirrely, but he's good. He said of privateer Rick Ryan, who won the Daytona Supercross that March. After just a lap or two, Johnson couldn't contain his incredulity about the track's limited line choices, especially the tricky S-turn section a series of six sharp curves built like a slot car course. The obvious intention was for riders to select a line and stay in it until the end, but nothing prevented them from hopping in and out of the slots. You'd have to be a stupid idiot to follow these little lines if someone faster than you was behind you. After the chicane-style S-turns was a whoop-de-doo section, which Johnson also derided. They didn't put down any hay bales, so now there's one line through the whoops. I mean, what a joke. You got one line through those whoops, man! Course workers continued to work on the whoops all evening, but they never got them sorted. Qualifying heat race number four was the most competitive of the night, with Johnson, Jeff Ward, and Ron Lachine all on the line. All right, here we go. Let's watch the battle between Johnson and Lachine, and there they go, and John, that's Lachine number nine. And he slams into Johnson and runs him the hay bale. Our cameraman, Mark Leckel, almost got run over, but Lachine takes the whole shot after stuffing Johnson and goes out in front. Ron Lachine. Lachine veered right out of the gate and closed off Johnson's path into the first turn. For eight maddening laps, Johnson couldn't pass Ward. Lachine won and admitted in his post-race interview, Cut Johnson off there, felt real good. Lachine had money on the line, though. He won a series within the series called the Coors Cup, which awarded $4,000 to the rider who qualified fastest most often throughout the season. And he got a $1,000 bonus for setting the fastest heat race in L.A. What's curious about this is that Johnson won the main event, yet received only $1,236 for the victory. In a phone conversation from his office at Maxima USA, Lachine said there was always tension between he and Johnson. I did whatever I could to put him on the ground, he says. The main event, the mud, the blood, and the beer. Legendary reporter Shav Glick, now enshrined in the Motorsports Hall of Fame, said it best in the next morning's Los Angeles Times. When 21 motorcycle riders race for an opening large enough for about three of them, strange things can happen. That's what occurred at the start of the 16th annual Super Bowl of Motocross at the Coliseum Saturday night, and the ensuing mix-up led to one of the most exciting races in series history. The start straight was either 40, 50, or 125 feet. It depends on who was reporting. In short, sorry, it was short. Johnson said the first turn came up so quickly and was so tight he had to shift down into first gear. Yamaha's team manager, Kenny Clark, said it was about the size of a phone booth. Carnage aplenty. The original start was supposed to be atop the peristyle and go downhill, 
but the AMA threatened to pull their race sanction if it wasn't changed. So riders wound up getting the short end of it, again, sorry, and there were crashes on every single gate drop. Here's a start. There's more, number three. Here comes Cooper, there goes Johnson, and Johnson is forced out. Johnson goes all the way to the outside, and here's the battle for the lead. Number 44, Fred Andrews of Ohio, and 15, Cooper, and Johnson is trying to get back into the race. Holy Toledo, what an upset. The crowd on the edge of their seat here at the Coliseum. It is number 44, Fred Andrews in front. I'd embarrass myself trying to recap this main event. You can find the whole thing at my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash wewentfast. It's worth 20 minutes of screen time to watch this masterclass by Johnson, who got smashed into the hay bales in the first turn and finished the first lap in 16th place. Johnson, who couldn't pass a single rider in eight laps during his heat race, passed them all and ran down privateer Guy Cooper, who had a 15-second lead by the time RJ got into second and led 18 of the 20 laps. Ricky Johnson has gone from 17th to second, going through lap riders like Sherman through Georgia. Look at this, a, a bike link in front, and Johnson is looking for a place to pass. Cooper is riding over his head, David Stanfield. The crowd is going absolutely insane, unbelievable. Johnson has gone from 17th to second, and he is one bike length away from taking the victory. He's got him. Johnson, no! Cooper takes it back! Johnson trying to go around the outside, and Cooper said, no, you're not going by. You will not pass, and he slammed the door in Johnson's face. Now trying it again. Johnson's got him. Johnson has got Cooper, and Cooper is determined to try to pull off the upset of the century. And Johnson goes down. He goes down. Johnson gets up again. The crowd goes crazy. Cooper is on him like a dog on a piece of meat. The checkered flag comes out. And Ricky Johnson wins the Super Bowl of Autocross! Holy Toledo! Jeff Ward gets my number one plate, but as far as tonight goes, I think I'm number one, Johnson told Greg Barbakovi over the live event microphone after the race. It's the best. I mean, I, well, they saw a good race. You know, it's not usually you see someone come from last in a pileup and win, so I can't wait to watch it on videotape. The videotapes preserved it forever. My bias about LA 1987 originates from the fact that there is enough supporting video evidence of this race that it satiated the never-ending appetite of a moto-crazy eight-year-old. The 1987 LA Supercross was released on VHS by Jeffrey Bryan's Moto Video subsidiary, entitled The World's Greatest Supercross Event. Despite the fact that it featured fake cheering crowd audio and the obvious sound of 125s revving on the starting line, while the video is clearly of the 250 class riders, I still loved it. And I still love it today, even though I can spot the dozens of very bad edits and moments of botched continuity. The race was also featured in the aforementioned documentary, Rick Johnson, Profile of a Champion. In the video library of motorsports, the parts and accessories business my parents ran in Michigan, these two titles rented for $3 a day. They were tapes number 152 and number 170 in our inventory. And when they were not checked out, they were in our VCR at home, where I watched them regularly while doing homework. My childhood home in Clio, Michigan, was 2,300 miles from Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, but I spent so many hours watching these VHS tapes that it feels like I witnessed all the great moments of that era. A couple of those tapes sit on my desk today, even though the VCR disappeared two decades ago. 
The original Super Bowl of Motocross, a Mike Goodwin production in July 1972, is the genesis of what we now know as Supercross. While lots of different stadium dirt bike racing events have been hosted in the Coliseum since, Rodeal Cup, X Games, Ultracross, 24 AMA Supercross races have been held. My favorite was 1987. And it's races like this one that keep us coming back. Thanks for listening. Again, leave a rating, leave a review, tell a friend about We Went Fast. And if you want to support us, shop.wewentfast.com. Shirts, art, hats, books, posters, shop.wewentfast.com. Thank you so much for listening.